Will it wasn't judged. a gerbil. It was a homeless guy. It wasn't a tunnel. It was an underpass. <laughs> but his name was Gerbil. Yeah. Uh, you can call me Gerbil. Recording on Pornhub. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Streaming live to Pornhub. Yeah. If you like Pornhub, you like Pornhub Live. You've all seen it. <laughs> wow, you have a really good Pornhub voice. He is the Pornhub voice. You are, you are doing the wrong podcaster. Um, Ryan, are you drinking room. bourbon cream? Is that what that is? <laughs> so first I'm going to do, um, this is the Still Talking Podcast, our irreverent industry podcast with Jason, Colton, and myself, Brian Christensen. And I am drinking bourbon cream liqueur. From one of our delightful listener, only listener, uh, at Liberty Pole Spirits. They're awesome. They gave me a bottle in Minneapolis. I brought it with me. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be refrigerated, <laughs> but it came from Minneapolis to Spokane, so I don't think at any point it ever got above 20 degrees. So you got it at like 74 and then uh, put it in the sun. Put it in the sun for a day and a half as I prefer my bourbon cream. I, I also had a listener uh, or the listener send me something, but I didn't open it yet. Oh, is it? Wait, shit! Did we did we just give no, listener a name? We got we, we actually do have to yeah. beat that. We can't say that. Um, all right, so tell me about the conference, and then I think it'll naturally segue into that thing that we just decided <laughs> we were going to talk about like twenty minutes ago. What I've been Probably doing green? research all twenty minutes, <laughs> right? All those twenty minutes. So yeah, again to recap. Colton and I were confused as brothers or the same person at least seven times, which is now a pattern, and we've just accepted it. Yeah, that's all I got to say. That's the only takeaway I had from the entire convention. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, how did how was how was the hockey game? Here's here's my uh, here's my takeaway. I stayed a couple days after the convention was over and I noticed a steep steep decline in the hotel bar usage and and population and then I got my bill uh, which I expected to be substantially higher than it was. I think it was so crowded with distillers at a point that they just stopped taking room numbers or charging people for drinks. Maybe they just put it all on like somebody else. <laughs> it, it was it was probably it's uh, possible I didn't know my own room number, but you just, you just always give Brian's room yeah. number. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a solid scam. <laughs> No, there. Minneapolis was really good. You, there were a lot of people, obviously, that were not pleased with the temperature or the amount of snow or the fact that it was Minneapolis in February. Uh, the benefits were that most of the people that attended the convention did stay around the event hotel. So that means in terms of like networking and meeting with new distillers, which there was a lot of new. I shouldn't say new distillers, but new members of ACSA there. Uh, they did a survey at one point during uh, the morning introduction meeting, kind of the big roundtables and after the keynote. And the survey was how many people at the show was their first ACSA. And over half were their very first time attending ACSA. So in terms of being freaking ridiculously cold out, it was great to keep everyone kind of in one local spot. I like the cold. And the whole like city is connected area. via gerbil tunnel, so you don't actually have to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> Which is Colton's way of saying he got lost for about a day and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it was real unfortunate. Or he did some real weird stuff with a gerbil. <laughs> Wait, those aren't exclusive. In a tunnel. That was just a- <laughs> this is not a safe space. Do not yeah. tell us. This is not, no. Yeah. You will that be wasn't judged. a gerbil. 
It was a homeless guy. It wasn't a tunnel. It was an underpass. <laughs> but his name was Gerbil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can call me Gerbil. It was, honestly, it was one of my favorite conventions of the last six years. I enjoyed it. Is it because I wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. The wor- Well, it's funny because the worst convention I ever had was last year, the one you attended. So, yeah, it was. Just- yeah. <laughs> I've attended more than one for Christ's sake. I've been to a bunch. In my head, it was just one. (laughs) It was just one really bad one. (laughs) No, we missed you a lot. And it was strange talking to listener, like actually knowing that somehow we're impacting listener life. I don't know if I'm okay with that. (laughs) Shut it down. It's over. Yeah, that's weird. Let's take it, take it apart. Blow it this up. is intervention for listener. You're making some poor choices. If you're spending time with us, we appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but again, thank you. Just go back to listening to Zeno on porn. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I like just listening to Zeno on porn. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It is. You don't think that when I do it, I'm just not like, you like Pornhub. You love Pornhub Live. Yeah, I skip through all the porn stuff to get to the story. Yeah. <laughs> He's just there to anyway. see the awesome real estate of the places they rent in Hollywood. Like, oh, that is a nice house. That's got to yeah. be 7,000 square feet. So how did your – they all look like your basement, weirdly, the videos I watch. <laughs> um, they do because they're all from my basement, <laughs> booming industry. Not really Pornhub. I don't really have a computer as much as it's just a live feed of your basement. <laughs> oh, this is so far off track. I love it. Yeah, so wait. So how was your technical meeting organization? Oh, I thought yeah, that went really well. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. cool. I mean, that was cool. yeah. the first opportunity to actually hear more about the Science Society. So I'm curious to hear what you thought, Colton. Yeah, I mean, it sounded really exciting. I, I didn't realize you guys had the sort of the backing organization that handles all the administrative side of, what is it, the Brewers Association, ASBC. ASBC and- yeah, Scientific Societies does like, they work with brewing chemists, they work with a bunch of different organizations, and essentially they... You maintain your independence as a nonprofit, but they basically you have to pay them through whatever sponsorships or memberships you get. But they handle the administrative side, which I yeah, which so I think is a really big plus because a lot of these can go, hey, it's a really great idea, let's do it, and then nobody wants to do the, the bookkeeping and, and all the volunteer work. Yeah, but I mean, you know, just talking about how much access I think this is going to get us to the information we've been missing out on. Just I mean, just right. having a science distilling journal focused on american distilling is is huge and just to recap for listener uh, at acsa this year we debuted the society of Dis- um god now i can't even remember the old name uh society of distillers and technologists and essentially it is rolls right off the <laughs> i know it does right uh it is a group a nonprofit that is focused essentially on it's focused on the science that's the key core goal they'll work with all the other associations you know we're the goal is to kind of be switzerland's you know not necessarily pick a side work with everyone around we debuted at acsa they were kind enough to volunteer some or uh, donate some space to us but we'll we'll work with adi discus all those groups and our goal is to come up with some methodological handbooks guides really build a compendium of knowledge from the science perspective, everything from the chemistry to, uh, you know, anything you can think of that has been published that we can get legal access to and build a compendium for the members and utilize that. And then also work on getting industry research, which is a big thing right now because there are, I won't say there's a new temperance movement, but there are factions that would prefer to see 
alcoholic drinks drop off, which I understand to I mean, a certain I think degree. We're, but all, we're all seeing those headlines every other day. Yes. It's no yes. longer healthy one drink a day. You will yeah. immediately die. Yeah, exactly. So unfortunately, really? there's some junk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some junk science out there that's being pushed that we don't ha- we shouldn't get into it right now. There's a whole different conversation about that. But there is a need for some industry science that some research working with universities to basically help push against some of that junk science. And then there, so those like, are kind of the key six portals. drinks a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> six drinks a day is the answer. Well, and it's interesting too, because I think most of us in the industry would agree that one of the, and I think we talked about this before was one of the growing market trends is non-alcoholic drinks or low proof drinks, which I think is really good for our industry to self-regulate and embrace. Sure. I think that's actually really important. And there's, really good data showing that, you know, the younger, you know, millennial generation, they're not drinking quite as much. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. It's just, you know, using bad science to say no one should ever drink ever. It immediately causes cancer or whatever they're saying. That's just not good science. Well, they're also, I think they're, they're drinking less, but it seems to be more quality over quantity, which is Agreed. a really great sign for our industry. Okay. Yeah. Cause our margins are already so, you know, higher margins, you know, lower number of sales, but that works to our advantage. So maybe we should, uh, this sounds like we're getting down to another topic that we should go to a, do a whole episode on this, on this group. I already forgot the name of it. Um, <laughs> Society of distilling scientists and technologists. I had to look up my own email. That's how smooth it rolls off my tongue. Yeah. I am um, sorry, everyone that I am helping put this together with. <laughs> I am an absolutely terrible advocate and uh, voice of reason. No, we should discuss it though too because it's like something that Colt and I have been wanting and talking about and trying to get off the ground something, but you know, we don't have the knowledge or the, <laughs> the capability around us. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, and I think it could be a great group. It's by being able to work with a group that can do the administrative side, I think the actual organization could kind of take off. I think we mentioned last time that we kind of modeled it after the idea of the Craft Beverage Lawyers Guild, which is an independent organization that also works with ACSA, ADI, other groups. But it's totally independent, and they're really hyper-niche. Their focus, obviously, being beverage law. Ours would be just the science. And essentially, it's I'll just read off the the goals we came up with in the actual meeting, which were methodological guidelines and research. Save it. Save it. Save it. I think we should do a whole episode talking about. Oh yeah. We can do a whole episode on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's a cut. Tease it out. Like, like, yeah, I want to hear about it, (laughs) but I want to. Yeah. I think that the takeaway of the meeting was you and Gary kind of presenting, Hey, here's our idea. Are you guys interested? And Mm -hmm. it was a definite yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was a resounding yes. Did you connect with AB Mari or AB Biotech? I did not. I, I caught about cool. 10 minutes of his lecture before I had to run. Awesome. But it sounded cool. good. The, one, the <laughs> one thing I wanted you to do. <laughs> I And I only got the only seminars I did this year, which I feel shitty about, are the one that I put on and then the uh, the guild meeting. So we did the state guild meeting too, which was great this year. And then I also gave... I was part of a seminar on the mergers and acquisitions, which we've talked about before. Uh, and then Colton, you pointed out one, one of yeah, the, the ones, the only one I got to actually go sit in on. Right. And that uh, was leading us into our topic. You guys see what I was doing here? I was <laughs> building to it. 
All it right. was a real All right, smooth let's start transition. over. Build again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me start with a foundation that looks like <laughs> this foundation that I'm looking at in Brian's screen. I never even look at Colton's screen anymore. <laughs> why would you? My, there's so much going I have my own screen pulled up, maximized. You guys are the tiny pictures. I just look at me and my background. That's how vain I am. You know, you know my buddy Drew – was just in town and he must have been hanging out with a listener and he was saying, he's like, yeah, you make all these jokes about Brian's bass. And I'm like, dude, it's not a fucking joke. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I, it's unreal. How, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's super And somehow you got a new house and it got, it went, <laughs> and it got it worse. Backwards. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it regressed. So Ashley's kids were over today. My business partner, Ashley, her kids came over to sled and hang around with our kids. And his name's Connor. He runs up to me. He's like, Grant showed me the secret room, which sounded terrifying. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like down in the lab that like the wine closet. He's like, the, they're terrified. The, they lab. Floor, the lab. Yeah, we call it the lab. And the kid's like, it's scary. I'm like, you're right. It is. Don't go in there again. I'm a 36 year old man. I'm terrified. Right. I can't wait for you to come visit. I mean, it's yeah. the only time you'll visit because you'll never, you'll leave. never leave. I know. Right. Exactly. Um, Okay, so wait. So which one did you go to, Colton? Tell me about it. So I went to How to Handle Distillers Grains, um, which I thought was really interesting. You know, we give our grains away, but the the point of it was that, no, your your waste can be worth something. You can make it its own product and, and sell it. Yep. And, you know, if not offset your cla- cash flow, you could actually make some money if you sell it right, which... I thought it was great until he very quickly glossed over the fact that as soon as you start selling your grain, you inviting the FDA to come in and inspect the rest of your facility. Right. Was uh, that Kurt Rosentrotter? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's super smart. He's a good guy. So was it technical or was it like Yeah, business? no, it was Well, business. it was it was kind of a mix of both. It was, you know, it was sort of promoting the business aspect of hey, this is this is what you should be doing. Uh, but then he got he got into some science of to promote it what you have to do and what the farmers are actually looking for in terms of you know they don't just want to buy corn slop they want to m- make sure it has x amount of protein and x amount of carbs and whatever it has. Right. He yeah. tends to go through the actual science of the <coughs> nutritional value, what they're looking for, how you can maximize the value of it. But then, as Colton said, you get into some logistical issues once you start doing that as well. Okay, so I can speak to this because two years ago. I went to the Distillers Dried Grain Conference, which very is very specific. It's a whole <laughs> conference just about that. Right. It's literally just about that. So I learned more about pig metabolization of de-oiled corn, DDG, and, right. and like all these technical things. And like what they were doing is they, they put plugs. It's like universities that are doing it. They put plugs in a you – know, they had freaking grad students collecting pig shit to see how well it metabolized this DDG. It was insane because it's a huge part of fuel ethanol. Right. That's where yeah. they make money. Right. So it's a huge, it's because I mean, our margins on a bottle of booze is astronomical, right. Compared to fuel ethanol, right. The margin well, is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. The margin. They need it. Yeah. Yeah. So like the difference is that, right. So they rely very much so on it. And like the whole movement with de-oiled corn and all this, and they went in and all about that. From my experience with 
Oh, I can just say it now. Beam Suntory. Right. I always forget that I can just say it now. Of course. <laughs> okay. until you like, said you know. it all the time before. <laughs> I never said it. You said it constantly. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure. I'm, but I'm, I play one on TV. Yes, <laughs> on Pornhub. On Pornhub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that may not be um, illegal, but it is unethical. <laughs> At any uh, rate, the, where you get with they sold it there. They sold it at the, at Beam. Like, yeah, but so they but they have a different processing, right? Like most most guys are just sort of pumping it out of there still into a tank, and then the farmer comes and picks it up. Right. Yeah, it's like spend- but Beam has a what like twenty million dollar facility just to handle it. It's a whole building. It's twenty four hour yeah. operation. When they sell yeah, it, are they are they transporting it dry or wet? Did you say is it is it yes. dry? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yes is the answer. Got it. I mean, do you actually want to know how it's done? It's pretty cool. Yeah, I do. I want to know yeah. some of the actual technology. Um, so the biggest one was what happens is this bottom, still bottoms go up and they get pumped over to what they call the dry house, which is a giant building. Uh, it has three giant Alpha Laval decanter centrifuges where it removes – the solid from the liquid, that's what centrifuge, right? It does, right? Like, and most of that liquid will go back. It goes back for some of the setback, not most of it. A very specific percentage goes back for setback. The rest of it goes to, which is very similar. This one wasn't, but it was a very similar to a falling film evaporator where they evaporate all the water out of it and it becomes a syrup where the dried grain at that point is called wet cake, which is similar to more what most people that are like laudering will deal with, right? Yeah. Or Colton, what you would do, what you are making at your place is more considered wet cake. Fuck, what I'm making right now is what being considered wet cake. And then, so then it would go, that that wet cake would go into two giant fluidized forced air bed systems, fluidized beds. So it looks like uh, it's a big perforated, it looks like one of those machines in the 90s that you would get in. It was like a roller coaster and it moves around. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It was like a yes. little car thing. Like, yeah. Or like a science center that was like travel Mars and you get in and it bounces around. Mm-hmm. That's what these things look like, but they're giant and they bounce because they're, you know, this grain, this wet cake that actually has some syrup put back onto it. So the syrup gets made from the evaporator, gets back, put back on it and goes through these dryer beds, two sets of dryer beds. It keeps going through like this giant loop until it gets the right density and blows over to the silo where they load out. And then they also sell truckloads for full of syrup so okay. that's why i asked you when it's wet or dry it's or when i answered you i was like yeah it's both Got it. so it's yeah it's a, it's a pretty involved system uh most places but it's obviously it's obviously worth it right like you you also worked on getting a bioreactor and in the end it just didn't the money didn't add up but they did build this building oh, so I imagine it does add up i don't know I mean, I think that you have to see the forest beyond the trees a little bit. And where we are as a country with things like bioreactors aren't as lucrative. Like if you, well, I mean, energy is cheap. That's that's yeah. why. Well, if you talk but, to the guy, gas is cheap. Like if you talk to the guys at Muntins, like they're at every conference, and they have a badass anaerobic bioreactor, and they love it. You know what I learned at the Malting conference? I was talking to one of the Crisp guys. About muttons, he was like, "Yeah, they they used to um, use the heat off of their off of off of their kiln, like kind of above the kiln. They would have uh, fish farms, 
and use the heat as energy for the fish farms. I think they've moved into plants now, but they always have sort of layers not all related to malting and, and grain. Which is kind of cool because Munton's is not exactly a small operation. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I talk to them a lot about that whole thing. What I think is, so, you know, I'm getting off and I'm on that macro side of things. It's a different beast. And I don't think that the bioreactor thing is dead yet. I think right now, I mean, you're talking about a $17 million project that takes a couple years. So I think that you kind of buy time. I think that DDG, you'll be okay. But now with these mid-level distilleries popping up, like Bardstown Bourbon popped up and everyone's expanding, Right, your outlets, your teat is run a thing dry. Run a thing is a real word now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird when teat isn't the standout word in a sentence. <laughs> yeah. Good job. At any rate, so I, I think that there needs to be, uh, there is going to be, our hand is going to be forced for a more creative outlet. But uh, you know, well, so I guess I mean this is just us wildly speculating as we never do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Are the mid-level size, you know, there's obviously, I'd say, a majority of us craft guys are way too small to actually sell our grain. It just doesn't make sense to put well, the, the problem is, in. To, the problem is... But are those are those mid-level guys doing it? I think a lot of them are giving it away, and that's the problem. So, like, so that's where, right, like, the mid-level guys are giving it away. So what I'm saying is, for you know, bringing it back to the craft side of things... If you start charging it, well, what's the fucking point? What's stop them from going to the next person that they where they get it for free? And I'm not saying that there's not enough cattle out there and farmers out there that need it. There are actually, you know, the farmers that come get our stuff down here in New Orleans, they rely on it a lot. Like they're yeah. they're on top of me. Like, hey, can I get grain? Yeah. So I mean, so in terms of mid tier, this is somewhat anecdotal, but I think you're right. A lot of them are giving it away because. Making some extra revenue is great, but they're more concerned with their bottleneck where if, you know, if they're midsize within a week, if they can't get rid of that, you know, spent grain, their production can literally come to a halt. They can run out of storage capacity and then they can't keep producing. It's in their interest and they make more money by keeping their operation running, you know, seven days a week instead of having to stop and wait for a farmer to come pick up all this, you know, spent grain. So they have to have a really clean uh, efficient process of people picking that stuff and getting rid of it. And sometimes when you give it away, it makes it a lot easier to get rid of. Yeah. They're kind of the, those mid levels are kind of the best of both worlds. Cause they have a lot of the, like they have like drum dryers or, and you know, and most of them have some kind of liquid solid separator, whatever it is, but like they mm-hmm. have like these dryer systems and these liquid solid separators. And it's the best of both worlds. Cause they have those technology, that technology where DDG is kind of stable. And like, I can give you, fiber i have data out the like from that conference not you know proprietary data but that's all over like it's pretty stable what they can do with it and hold on to it and they can make it last longer and they can give it away for free so they can just fill silos and just have trucks come at a you know well wait so what's the point of why why buy a why buy a dryer if if you're just going to give it away for free why spend the extra money right if you can give away wet cake or right yeah well when you're see the way those big continuous columns work though too, like with all that condensate, it's almost a one to one of beer that you're sending to to condensate out. So it's like one to one, right? Like if you're but they already have the they have the liquid solid separator. I'm saying why have the dryer as well? What do you do with all that liquid waste? I did mean, did Kurt Rosentrader touch no, on that, that? 
seminar because didn't he talk about some of the actual uh, wastewater and waste products that go with it, sending it out wet? Kits don't some farmers actually want a certain amount of that? Sure, they do because a lot of it's like over. Yeah, there's sugar in there, right? Too right. Like, and if, what I'd like to do is sell you water, right? Like I want to sell it, sell you water, <laughs> right? So I think that um, I, I think that a lot of it is. I hear what you're asking there, Colton, but like the w- reason why, why not have a dryer? Because then you could put some of that wet stuff on there, dry it out. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what, like there's this weird part between the dryers and all these big distillers, these big American whiskey distillers at least, that uh, they put syrup back on to the TDG after it's been dried, like after it's wet cake, right? And they're like, you're, it's kind of weird, right? Like you're separating it and putting it back on. You would think that's not <laughs> But I understand that because they're selling it. It's sort of a value added. Right, but you're getting rid of but it. If it's, you were just, giving... it's getting rid of it, too. It's not just selling it. It's getting rid of it. That syrup is, I think syrup would be more difficult to get rid of than grain. Sure, yeah. But it's harder to handle. But it also, but it also makes for better grain when you, better when you put on grain it. When you put right, it on, yeah, right, yeah, for sure. So, like, I mean, I wish, I used to show people all the time when they would, I'm like, get a, get a syrup and it's, you can turn – I put it in a little styrofoam like cup and I, you just turn it upside down after a little bit and it doesn't – it looks like butterscotch pudding. Like it doesn't move when it comes out of that evaporator. Now, granted, no one probably, you know, unless I go back into big spirits at some point in my future, I don't know that I would – Not after this podcast. It. Yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Especially this episode. They're like, ugh. Like anyone listen to this. Anyways, I legally protected go back myself. Into Kentucky yeah. After this. yeah, so all right, so wait, yeah. What did he say about liquid waste, Colton? I'm not sure. Were you at I, the seminar? I did say that I caught the whole thing, but really I caught uh the last half hour. Listener will be shocked. Mainly to find because out I was Colton's supposed alive. to have shocked. If you remember, I was all amped about our safety meeting. Nobody came. I was going to say, <laughs> was there a party? Brian no, no. I asked Colton when no. the safety meeting was, and he said, I don't know. And then proceeded to never hear another word about a safety meeting. Yeah, except it was on the schedule. So. Touche. Touche. You got me there. Did literally no one show up? Well, one person did. And then we rescheduled it for an hour later, and three people did. Perfect. It was a great round table. That's discussion. really depressing, considering the year before there was at least twenty people in that room. At least, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. So no one, no one cares about safety. But That's we all safety. have really sweet I heart safety pins. Um, back to the topic at hand. Yes, to the thing that people actually showed up to. Uh, you know, <laughs> so right. So you're filling it like you're loading farmers out with it, right? And that's what I'm doing with it too. And it's funny because I'm about to implement a new piece of equipment where my spent grain will be significantly drier. And it's exactly what you said, Brian. They're like, oh, yeah. They're like, well, our, our cattle like it when it's wet. I'm like, well, yeah. Uh, but you're going to get what I give you. Add yeah, water. You're going to get what I give you. That's what I have. But it's about to – it's going to – theoretically, and it, it will, it's going to triple my output of spent grain a day. So, yeah. like, I have to make sure that infrastructure is put in place. I'm like, hey, guys, I, yeah. you know, I have these farmers. I'm like, I, this is how much I'm going to have. Right. So I've been talking to them, you know, last year I was talking to them about them. Can, like, can you give happen. any kind of estimates on what a reasonable, like, amount per pound or per ton that you can expect to get? If, if a distiller wants to sell their spent grain and they're going to work out a deal with 
local farmers. Obviously, it's it's very hyper regional. I yeah, it really. I think it really depends on the yeah. climate you're in, mm-hmm. and, and like, are there big guys around that are selling it? Are there? If no one's around or a lot of people giving it out for free, what are the breweries in your in your area doing? So it's like anything. It depends on right. the competition, so, the area, how big your yeah. I mean, I honestly is. To, to to me, we you know, we we get a ton of almost Craigslist hits, I would say, of hey, I'm a farmer, I, I can I come pick up grain? And the hardest part is just finding consistent right. farmers who will be there when they say they will consistently. Yeah. I've heard Hence, that too. what I just said, that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm you know, I'm nervous about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, I can't, what am I going to do with it? You know, they're helping me out too. So it's a slippery slope. I don't know. I wouldn't put a price on it now because. I, I think what we're saying is is start a hog farm. <laughs> Every distiller should just have a and side. You know, that, was, that, was a, that was a proposed <laughs> solution at a big distillery that I used to work at. It was like, oh, we Can should just start a cattle farm. <laughs> no there lie. No lie. It's like, they should start a cattle farm. I'm like. That's real simple and not right. a headache at yeah, all. It, yeah. So we had we had this one farmer who had four cows die on him. We we can get into I already mentioned the FDA, but we'll get into yeah. the safety stuff. But so he came to me and he started trying to accuse Killing us of some of our some of our dark malts he said weren't good okay. for cattle. Uh and it was killing him. And I was like, No, that's not yeah. true. He's like, No, no, my vet said it. I was like, Well, go go check again. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah. <laughs> it turned out that it turned out that the city had been working on his land, um, building a fence, and they'd left four bags of uh, dry cement sitting no. by a fence post, and the cows came and licked it up because it's right. super salty and died from That's that. That's horrible. Yet, you know, it was definitely my roasted right. grains. <laughs> Toast. Yep. Toast kills all. Yeah, there was. Uh, I mean, talk about the food. Sa- it's essentially food safety at that point. Whenever you're going to sell it, right? Yeah. And that's what the big boys have to deal with. Like yeah. there was a, there was a big there was a, a big deal with uh, FDA and especially brewers a couple of years ago about you know the FDA was going to start have, saying they were going to yep. start regulating it, and almost nobody in the craft world is prepared to really get into the amount of food. It, it would halt production for. It, a lot yeah, of I know people. that uh, we talked about ergot and. Aflatoxin. Keep talking. I need to drink. Is he getting ice? Does he have ice down there? For well, you gotta keep. I know, but I'm like, I'm really upset. (laughs) I don't have ice here. See, I I get one of those giant sphere ice cubes, and Ah, it usually lasts through the podcast. Good good move. Usually, this is like a new thing. Me putting ice in drinks. It's like I got to slow it down. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I moved from ice to uh, San Pellegrino. So what you you know? I drink a ton of some San Pellies. Well, I mean, in my oh, you put San Pellies in your. I'm I'm basically just doing highballs now to (laughs) slow slow it down. Nice. That's when you know you're an adult. (laughs) It works. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I think when I'm doing. I believe. Yeah, that's the whole. um, So when we used to barbecue or smoke meat, I'd be like, "Yeah, you got to slow it down." That's when I started. (laughs) Yeah, no granddad before so noon. That that is a rule. Those are, those are the rules. <laughs> because I've tried to take meat off a smoker when I was hammered, and <laughs> it was fine. The meat was fine, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the food safety thing, though, too. That's a. I mean, that's a big freaking deal. You're yeah. right. I, I don't think that anyone's really ready to do that. And 
that's cool that he was saying like, hey, you have a valorized asset here, right? Like you're, you're yeah. yeah, like he was giving us all this data, a lot of it from the the you know eth- corn ethanol industry, yeah. but he very quickly glossed over the FDA. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. Showstopper. Well, if you ever want to follow up, Kurt has a really good article in one of the better trade publications our industry has, if you're ever interested. Ah, Distiller Magazine. Distiller Magazine. Fuck you. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing, man. That was a good dig. That was a good dig. So tell us tell us more. Yeah. Did you read the article? Did you at least read the articles that are in your magazine? Funny enough. Since you don't listen to podcast episodes. I don't listen to our podcast. I do read the articles that go in Artisan Spirit magazine because I don't fucking write them. So I actually am interested in them because they're high quality as opposed to anything I output. But let's go back. So wait, so let's talk about this great article, Brian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. So Kurt Rosentrader, he's written for us before. He is, uh, he's an, I believe he's an associate professor at Iowa State University. And he did a specific article on spent grain. It was kind of a precursor to some of the seminars he's done. It's it's good stuff. He goes into some of those details. I'll link it to you. I thought one of the one of the most interesting things he was talking about was how much China can disrupt the market of oh, for sure. grain. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The fact that it's still economical to transport spent grain across the entire Dude. world is crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> like I mean when I was at Green Funtori, they uh I don't know nostalgic I, was I, I felt good glad you brought that back yeah. we needed it yeah um so they would i remember there were points in time where we got a like a fuck ton of fucking trucks in a row it was like a parade of trucks it was to load barges for that very reason yeah 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 which is insane yeah you're like wait how is this worth it but yeah <laughs> yeah don't you guys grow grain over there yeah. clearly i'm not a businessman global economy so, uh, baby. <laughs> yeah. that's that's crazy so I think that uh, you can be creative too. What uh, you, Colton, you met Denise, like our sales marketing. Yeah, yeah, and she has a dog who has the most punchable head in the world. It's like the Where most punchable the dog I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, am I having I'm a stroke? Like, like this. <laughs> this is how my brain works. Okay. Brian, no, no, right? I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep going. I'm fucking with the genius. Keep going. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, so at any rate, this very punchable dog she loves, um, he looks like a pig. He's actually kind of nice, but again, very punchable. Um, she took some of our DDG and was making dog treats out of it. And she gives them out when we do Bolden events and whatnot. She's like, oh, dog treats and everything. Like, And it's it's been like people are like people with dogs, you know, they're like most people like most dogs more than me. Uh Shit, I like most dogs more than me, but it's a big hit, and it's like I'm like it's kind of cool thing. So there's this whole upcycling movement, right? Yeah, that's what they call it. And and, and like you got you guys are making vodka, which I would say is not a huge selling point on a dog treat, but <laughs> bourbon dro- dog treats I can see people buying because it says bourbon. Like most things that just say bourbon. I mean, we don't really put like vodka dog treat on it. <laughs> well, that should. just sounds like I'm like, hey, dog. I'm like, I'm grabbing a dog by the neck and dumping vodka down its <laughs> treat. Which, yeah. Which isn't that weird for a guy like me. But <laughs> Colton, you don't know how to take care of animals, do you? Yeah. He's really. like, you got to get your dogs nice and drunk. 
before you uh, tuck them in. Um, <laughs> tuck them in. I don't think you know how to take care of animals either. Getting weird. <laughs> At any rate, I like the idea and the upcycle. And then I, there's this term that I've learned now, maybe because I'm an old man and I hate life. Um, but it said, like, when someone's crunchy, does that, uh, you guys know what that means? Yeah, it, 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 it's, like a hippie? It's new, yeah. it's new age or new school hippies. My, my, yeah. my wife is like borderline crunchy. In a positive yeah. Way. Anyways, so like things like like yeah, we're up. that is the intro to the episode. Borderline right crunchy. <laughs> yeah. What is that like mushy? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost want to be like yeah. I almost want to do my gross voice and be like yeah, your wife is mushy. Uh, uh, I your wife too much. Yeah. And you're gonna get to meet her in you. Denver, so I res- that's a great I intro. Res- yeah. I respect your wife too much, not you. No, God, no. No, there are plenty of people um, who've never met my wife and they respect her way more than me. For very good reason. Nobody's met my wife. Most people don't think she exists. Uh-huh. We just hear like ladies. Yeah, you just do the voice when she comes up. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Hey, I got amazing range. All right. Yeah. Porno um, doesn't just hire so, any voice actors. Yeah. <laughs> they don't hire just any lawyers <laughs> man i'd love to have Pornhub lawyers what are you talking about yeah. tell me you're like you're like yeah i'm a lawyer for Pornhub. i'd be like damn that's an amazing job no you probably spend most of your day dealing with revenge oh, yeah now you made it sad thanks for ruining that good job colton no, yeah colton fuck you <laughs> yeah. dream killer <laughs> Um, dream job now you're gonna say distilling's hard and it's difficult to make money and you can't start one with ten thousand dollars fuck you colton conjecture conjecture also those are all accurate things distilling's really fucking hard it's but the whole upcycling thing i'd like to see more of that mm-hmm. yeah agreed um maybe i'm crunchy um no i'm, I'm not touching that one i was gonna go it was gonna be weird no normal. i'm definitely i'm definitely mushy yeah. In the pants. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, he made it not weird again. He sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Brought it right around. Mushy in the pants. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, wait. Yeah, I, I thought what, one, of, one of the really interesting things that Kurt was talking about just going on upcycling, uh, he said that sort of the, the end goal and, you know, gold medal of all uh, spent mash is fish food. If mm. you can figure out how to turn it into fish food. Is that stuff he had? He had the prices. I, I don't remember, so I'm just gonna. That's all freeze dried, right? Like, there's a lot of process. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of it, but yeah, exactly. It just costs so much. But you know, if it was a hundred dollars a ton for you know just normal dried spent mash, it's it's like a hundred dollars for a pound of fish. Well, that's why I liked an anaerobic so much. Like, it's it's fuel, it's could be fertilizer like there's a lot of things that you can do with it like, so i mean yeah struvite is a big concern with a lot of anaerobic bioreactors but then there's like whole struvite reactors but they're super expensive right now like that whole upcycling the processing is expensive and then you have to have the outlet so i mean where are you going to sell that i mean that that's a good point like you know we we made jokes about starting the hog farm but bentley heritage just started a composting facility so they never have a bottleneck on getting rid of it. They know where it's going. Right. It's easy. It helps to have unlimited that's probably, funds. That's, 
Yeah, unlimited funds and land. They could fly that shit. Well, yeah, I don't think I don't think you need unlimited funds to start a compost. Listen, I'm starting a compost in my bathroom right now. Starts with the mush. So, what did you take away from that, Cohen? And well, let's say, what did you take away from that and or the whole conference in general? Well, I'll start. I'll start with that. Was, hey, this is a great idea. If I had the money and resources to see it through. One of his big points was it's a secondary product. So you can't go about it just like focus all your energy and and marketing power on your on your spirit and then half ass try to sell your your grain. It's it's another product and you have to put time and energy into that. So he made it sound less appealing than it looks on paper, cool. I think. So what you took away from it is like, okay, cool. Uh, this is I'm still going to get my grain I'm away. I'm going to do exactly <laughs> what I do, exactly the way I do it. Yeah. yeah. I won't yep. change. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good on that topic. I don't know how much I can talk about waste. A lot. I can talk a lot about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had spent two years as like a technical lead on a fucking project. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Uh, uh, I really missed you on the hockey team. Really? Oh, yeah. Tell me about the hockey game. Hockey game was amazing. It was Team Haletko versus Team Montana. So Chris Montana, current president of the ACSA versus Paul Haletko, former president of the ACSA. And then they all had their own Was, was everyone good? Yeah. Surprisingly, they were. Uh, one, one team, one team was. was, like, really amazing. Like, <laughs> they, they were all skating hard. They were all, like, accomplished. They all play, you know, consistently you know there was only a couple people who hadn't been on the ice in years and you could tell but for the most part everyone was really solid and they had seven it was seven to zero by uh by the uh by the, by the end, end of the, the second, second period. period it was rough and then attendees and everything someone played goaltender yeah yeah there's nice yeah. goaltenders nice but, yeah. so then what they did is the uh classic mistake in terms of hockey they traded a couple of their canadians and at that point, <laughs> there were then eight unanswered goals, and the other team won. It was actually – it was, it was a fantastic game. Ending. The energy was high. Everyone was getting a little tipsy because there was a bunch of beer from Dogfish Head. that uh, Nobody, nobody had yeah, No one at all had a flask on that ice <laughs> rink that they then took around to everyone there. Uh, and it was, it was crazy fun. It was really good. Oh, I made my – Yeah, I really – I'd teams. say the most, the most impressive was part fun. was – the most impressive part was I'd gotten a conversation with somebody for maybe three minutes, and then I looked up, and Brian has made it all the way to the player's box on the other side uh-huh. of the rink, and then somehow makes it into, like, the team pictures and everything. He just joined both teams. No, I was man, on the team. So, no, I that's, like, made for me, man. Like, you would have loved like, it. Made, so, no, the, the backstory was that Haletko's team had uh, a guy named Jason Lippa, he decked himself out in the classic like 80 car is an 80s car salesman suit, like the brown wool checkered suit, which is actually I think it's actually yeah. uh, an inspiration of a classic uh, hockey coach. I can't remember the name. I don't know hockey. Kurt Brooks. There you go. Thank you. That's it. Uh, so he was the coach on Haletko's team and he was awesome. They were they were talking smack. He was standing up there. He had the classic like, you know, old school pose clipboard, really, clipboard <laughs> yelling at everyone, calling everyone bums. It was it was fucking great. So I happened to be walking by and one of our friends, Mark Schilling, he had a scarf on that was 
absolutely the exact same pattern. So I stole it off his neck. I had one of those long black peacoats. I threw it on, jumped on the other side, and I just started screaming profanities <laughs> at Lippa, just telling him and his whole team that they were bums. <laughs> then they traded the – You're like the Russian coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. at that point, bam, eight unanswered points. I absolutely take all credit for that. And then I snuck into the photo. It was great. I'm an absolute asshole. <laughs> I love me. You know – you should have just skated and played, you fucking losers. Oh, my God. I have been on the ice maybe three times in my life. It would have been fantastic forever to see. <sighs> Man, I miss it so much, honestly. I really do. That's If I could say the only thing I don't like about Louisiana thus far is that I don't have ice. The lack of, yeah, hockey yeah. rings. Lack of ice. So, and now especially I've been watching a ton of hockey. All right. So yep. I think that about uh, wraps up this ball of crap. Um I just gave. Hey, do we need to do? Do we need to do a? Uh, uh, we do. I think we should. It's I think this is. I think this is the spot. Like what we're saying right now. <laughs> like, do we need to do this super responsible thing for this person that decided to go in business with us? <laughs> yes, we do actually. <laughs> uh, high proof creative. Um, High proof creative. Karen actually came out with uh, with Devin and I after the wait. Karen was there. To a couple Karen of- was there. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you thank her a bunch? You're like, hey, thanks. Uh, you're crazy. Thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Are you sure you right. want to continue? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Karen thought Colton and I were the same person. And after I introduced <laughs> myself to her, I'm pretty sure she still thought I was Colton. And she was still disappointed. <laughs> even after the second time of meeting Colton. So, I mean, that tells me a lot. But no, Karen at High Proof Creative was fantastic. She got a lot of uh, great feedback at the show. She had a booth, talked to a lot of people. It was it was an outstanding meeting. That's great. I'm really happy. And, like, to be honest with you, I mean, this is a spot, but, like, it's not a spot. As in, you know, I'm in a totally different aspect. There's so many things I, I see now and I have visibility that I'm in a much smaller company than Beam Suntory. And I see a real value. I'm like, oh, shit, there is so much involved. And, like, making the liquid is almost the fucking easy part. You know, like, it just – all that, like, your web presence, your your social media. I'm like, oh, my God. We did a cocktail competition last night. There was, like, 17 entries from bartenders around the city that make cocktails at Bolden. And it was a fucking blast, right? But there's so much involved to something that seems simple. And like, you know, with those kind of people that can get that out there and it's just exposure that it's not that you can't do it, but if you don't have time to do it, I don't know, it's pretty good. I'm, you know, I'm plugging. And a lot of us can't. Right. Yeah. I mean, like still, like still talking, (laughs) still talking, clearly cannot do it well. No. Um, Still talking lacks the uh, knowledge, resources, talent. Or capabilities to do what someone like Karen at Hyper Creative can do. And yes, yeah, right. this is a plug. We thank you. But uh, essentially, we would be lost without Karen. Yeah, we actually see real value in it to a lot of places out there that are at all levels. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. So now, I'm. someone else do the fucking grumble. I'm tired of doing the final thoughts grumble. Both of you do it. Should we do it at the same time, Colton? Ready? Yeah, you purr like a yeah. cat, right? That's one, that's two, three. <laughs> final thoughts. <laughs> uh, what's our final thought question? Zeno should have been at ACSA. Final thought. End of episode. Way to fuck that up. Just cool. guilty. That's my final thought. Um, 
<laughs> that was great. Yeah. Real value. Consistent with the episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we met listener mm-hmm. a few More times. Once. More than once. Kept coming back. It was really great to meet, meet listener, listener and... And then listen do you like, again. Do you like how asexual you made listener? You're like, I don't want to commit to the sex, race, age. No, I'm, I'm going to jump in and steal what Colton's trying to say and thank listener for, one, listening, and two, actually coming up and talking to us at convention because it was really invigorating to know that we're not just doing this ourselves. You just said at convention. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it was like the farmer's equipment convention. So any any listener who's going to ADI, I believe, I yeah. believe we'll all be there. We will we'll because Zeno's been shamed into it. There's no way you can avoid it now. Listen, <laughs> I don't commit to many things. <laughs> um, that's, that's your final, final thought. Yeah, that's my final <laughs> thought. Uh, my final thought is I really miss the hockey. Mm. I really missed my uh, two times a year best friends. That's not you guys. No, God, no. We did not assume that even a little bit. Um, um, I always get like exhausted and re-energized. There's, I believe that there's no matter what you could, there's something to take away, whether it's a person you talk to whenever you talk to them. The the networking alone is worth the cost just to see, see people meet them. That's great. Yeah. The, the conversations that you can have, for sure, it's the, the contacts. I mean, that's not to take away from the content or the talks that are there, or, or you know, the appreciation that I have for all the organizations that bring those people together. Yeah. Um, I think I guess I'm really excited for the Society of Science, Technology, Science. Science. I'm really pumped for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right, cool. Uh, find us on um, uh, Foursquare. Call your grandmother and tell her all about us so she can tell her knitting circle. It's going to help us. Load me up on that pager. <laughs> Cho- choose us for your next book, book month club. Book. Yeah. Book. <laughs> book, yeah. Good one. Good one, Colton. Yeah. What's that thing yeah, okay. that, like, uh, what was that records you could do? Could, like, it's like 10 CDs for the price of one. Remember that in the nineties? Yep. Find us there. This is yeah. this joke would have worked a lot better email. if I knew what it was called. Westinghouse? No. No, wait, you're saying you're saying download us off the AOL C D you got in the mail last right. week. I still have some. I'll send you LimeWire. <laughs> LimeWire. <laughs> LimeWire. <laughs> yep. All right, that's enough. I'm out Me of too. jokes. We're on Gamefly. Meet us there. <laughs> Game Cheers. Love you, dummies.